Are you an overwhelmed SaaS founder ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the Sassfield Podcast, where we attempt to design the perfect AI-controlled beach umbrella capable of following the sun and ensuring that you're always in the shade. I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is amazingly great. We create capital-efficient growth, premium valuation, and freedom so that you build a business you're proud of and a life of impact that you absolutely love. This weekend, we said adios to spring, and we greet the heat and sunny days with open arms. Unofficial start of summer yesterday was Memorial Day. I hope you really had a great time. To me, this is a golden time of year. It seems like the world is full of possibilities. It's almost like a second new year. You know, Kids are out of school. They'll be bored in a week, and new adventures awake, and many of them smell like sunscreen. So maybe that's why the smell of coconut just makes me happy. I had a, a chilly, windy start to summer last week in San Francisco at the Ascent Conference. Big shout out to Fred Rockwell. Absolutely well done. He runs Ascent. Uh, Jason Hassenberg, awesome work. It's a lot to put on an event like that. You did a great job. I met some amazing people there, founders, solution providers, uh, Slava, Max, Guy, Dennis, Natalie, Gina, Zoe, Franco, Monica, Yana, Aaron, Will, Matt, Jesse, Jason. I mean, so many people doing amazing things. This is making the list. There, there's just so much going on in the SaaS community right now. I mean, new friends from across the globe, and I'll see a few of them again at SaaS Talk later this week. It's a little warmer in Austin than it is in San Francisco. But summertime typically means vacations, right? Now, it did for me growing up, and we'd always go somewhere. Many times it was camping in the mountains, or my grandparents had a farm, and my siblings and I would go there for a few weeks in the summer, and we had so much fun, and, and the cool thing was I got to drive the tractor. And what I didn't realize until years later is we were actually just free labor, you know, working on the farm, but I just didn't realize it was work. We had such a good time. And I know as a founder, it can be hard. And you might think, you know, vacation. Yeah, right. You know, I've got board meetings. I've got investors. They've got financial forecasts, quarterly numbers, and it's all underneath the lingering cloud of economic uncertainty. I mean, come on, Jeff. I don't have time for a freaking vacation. Uh, but, you know, hey, let's get together. I help founders fix that for sure. Freedom is one of our core pillars. You know, succeed and have a life at the same time. But just because our budgets may be tightening like a well-strung tennis racket doesn't mean that our imaginations have to. You know, I really encourage you to get out of the office, get out of your head and go do something fun. That's where some of my best ideas and moments of strategic clarity come from. One of my best ideas of the last few weeks was standing on a boat deck. And the problem that I've been really crunching on for about six months, instant answer in that moment. And, and it was so clear when it happened. So why not you know, swap that traditional beach workcation for something a little bit more, we'll say, unexpected? How about a digital detox retreat where the only surfing you do is on real waves? Big fan of that here at SAS Fuel. Or, hey, spend a week working on a farm. I mean, it's team building, a breath of fresh air rolled into one and a side of fresh eggs for breakfast. And you know, for those really stuffy executives among us, you know, how about a staycation of silence? 
Now, if you can't get out and you're absolutely completely overloaded, how about just a quiet house, maybe a pile of neglected books, um, maybe a meditation session or two, do some stretching, do some you know things that are, are just you know getting you out of your normal routine. You know, the peace and clarity might just spark your next big business breakthrough. Or summer isn't just about the escape, it's a mindset. And it's finding joy in the little things. Like, I don't know, maybe you do an impromptu office ice cream party. You know, soak up some sun during a lunchtime walk. Get outside. Or maybe a virtual magic show for your remote team. You know, I don't know. But whatever you do, break up the routine, get out of your head, and embrace life. Even if it's just for a day, and it'll do you a world of good. Because it does me. Once again, I want to spotlight two nonprofits that I'm a big fan of and that we support as a company and, and did this around Memorial Day. Uh, the first one is Tunnel to Towers. They started out of 9-11 and provide mortgage-free homes to Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children. It's an amazing nonprofit. Uh, they also build like specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans and first responders. Uh, you can learn more about them at t2t.org. That's a letter T, number two, another T.org. And the second one I want to talk about is Nova Ukraine. Uh, they've had their hands full providing food, water, necessities, basic resources to the people of Ukraine. I mean, still getting pounded on a daily basis. And uh, you know, to the point I've had conversations in the last couple of weeks with, with people over there. And, uh, and it's just, you know, they're, they're continuing to do things. They're productive. They're, they're continuing to work. And it's like, you know, hang on. I got to drop off a Zoom call real quick because air raid sirens are going off. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they're going through right now. Uh, Nova Ukraine is helping to, to take care of people there. And those guys are the real deal. They're in country. They're on the ground. They have the logistical capabilities to get things where they need them are needed the most. So learn more and donate there at NovaUkraine.org. Uh, links to both of those are on our site at sasfuel.com. And so support at home, support abroad, maybe do both. But uh, consider making a donation to one or both of those nonprofits in honor of Memorial Day. It's a great way to, to honor the fallen and the, the service of others. Our expert guest last week was Bobby G. How did you like that? He is a dynamo for sure. Bobby Gillespie is a brand growth consultant, author of Build Your Brand Like You Give a Shiitake Mushroom, and founder and principal at Proper Design. So solid marketing insights about differentiating your business in a crowded market. It's a really, really fun episode. And our founder on Tuesday last week was Dennis Kelly. Six startups over the last 30 years and currently founder and CEO of Postalytics, fast-growing direct mail automation SaaS. Incredibly insightful conversation. He had great tips on beating digital overwhelm and getting results with direct mail. It's a channel that's kind of overlooked. People are like, that doesn't work anymore. And sure it does. That's a great episode. If you missed either one of those, go back and give them a listen for sure. My guest this week is Melissa Kwan, co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, an automated webinar solutions that combines pre-recorded video with real-time interactions and live chat to deliver an engaging experience for attendees. They free people up to focus time on high-value activities. Welcome someone who is enjoying that free time, and that is Melissa Kwan. Well, hey, Melissa, welcome to SaaS Fuel. Thanks so much for having me. Well, tell me a little bit about your journey in building eWebinar. Yeah, um, it's a pretty big question. Um, I've been start up, in startups for almost 13 years now. Uh, this Quite is a my while. Third. 
Yeah, it's uh, it <laughs> for some reason it feels like that I'm still starting out every day. Um, which I don't know if it's like good or bad, like one on the one side, it's fresh, but on the other side, I'm like, what does it feel like to run a mature company? (laughs) (laughs) But it's my, it's my third one, um, third bootstrap, um, startup. My previous startup, um, which was in real estate SaaS was acquired in 2019 after I built it for five years. Um, e-webinar is a product that I always imagined to exist in my previous company. So just That's to give great. you some context, um, e-webinar saves people from doing the same webinar over and over again. So you can imagine things like demos, onboarding, training, feature updates. Anyone that has sold SaaS or like delivers a SaaS solution knows this problem that I'm talking about. So 100%. in my previous company, because we were bootstrapped, I was everything except for code. So I was the person doing all those demos, all those onboarding, all those trainings through webinars. The problem is, not only were they exactly the same all the time, people would sign up and then not show up. And so I had always envisioned this perfect product that would do my job for me while I could just go and have fun. Because actually what I was also doing when I was growing that previous company was I was nomading. So imagine being in like Kyoto 4 a.m. I'm going down to the lobby and doing a demo that I did yesterday. And it's not like that it's not important work, right? It's just super mundane. It's definitely important because that's how, you know, that's why customers keep paying you. But it just didn't seem very efficient. Um, And so after that company was acquired, I had a bunch of different ideas. But this was the one that kept coming back to me because it was just a problem that I knew intimately well. And after being in the industry for so long, I know that a lot of my other founder friends were also living the problem in, in different ways, right? Like either they have a massive support team, like spending so much money hiring those people to do these trainings, do these, do, do these webinars around the clock and still not doing enough, right, with new users coming in every day. Or they were like me, right, have a super small team needing to do it on your own um, and then try to find makeshift solutions like putting things on YouTube or whatnot, but it just really isn't the same thing. So that and was especially the, rough when you're doing that demo and you get up at 4 a.m. to do it and then nobody shows up. Oh, yeah. Like I know that so well, oh, and then that you hurts. try, yeah, and then you like try to send someone a video, but then they don't like videos, and also like how can you guarantee they're watching it? Or the biggest right. difference between a, a video and a webinar is the fact that when people go to a webinar, they expect to be able to communicate, right? They want to send you Jeff a message. They want to ask a question. They want to ask about pricing. How does this work? Does it work right. in my system? You can't get any of that with a YouTube or a Wistia video, right? Right. Like we don't communicate through comments. Right. So um, I started eWebinar like two months after I sold my previous company. So it's uh, almost four years now. That's great. That's really fast. A lot of times there's a break in between, but you just jumped right back in. <laughs> well, it was by design um, for a couple of reasons. Um, I actually sold my previous company because I was kind of sick of the industry I was in. Like I'd been in it for almost a decade. It just wasn't where my heart was anymore. And I just needed a new challenge. Like I I saw that there were so many more exciting things in the world that were happening that I wasn't a part of. And the opportunity cost for staying where I was was becoming bigger and bigger. But I had a two-year contract to work with the, to stay with the acquirer. So I just told my CEO, like, I, I have to do something else, like just to keep my brain moving so that I can be sane doing the thing that I actually don't like doing anymore. And of course, he signed off on that. 
But um, I also didn't sell the company for like retirement level money. Like it was definitely life changing, but it was not like I don't have to work again. And I just saw like how much consumer expectations have gone up since, you know, five years ago before I started that that company. So I just didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to wait a few more years and wait till it was even more competitive to put something out there. So I think there was like some urgency on my side because I just, I don't want to work forever. That's nice. And, and freedom is something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, really chase and, and we want, but it's really hard to build a business that provides that. But it seems like you're, you're definitely on the path to doing that with the e-webinar. Yeah. I mean, freedom has always been my number one priority. And actually, like when I was trying to choose a new idea to pursue after Spacio was acquired, I wrote down 10 non-negotiables that my next company has to have before I actually started. So that was actually how I went through the process of elimination and killed off like 95% of the ideas. And one of those things was it has to reflect something that I believe. Like it has to reflect, it has to be a reflection of me, which my previous two companies weren't, right? My previous two companies were built on top of my experience. Like I was always in real estate. I thought I needed to do something in real estate. My network was in real estate. And then I just started a company in real estate. Because that was like the natural thing to do. And I actually think sure. a lot of, I think a lot of people and, and a lot of founders get into that. I think we were trained to do that. Like you study finance and then you become a banker, right? You don't study finance and then decide like, I'm just going to go be a doctor, right? So I right. think people get stuck in these mindsets that like, I was educated in this, I have experience, so I have to do X. And so I lived that for a decade and I was always a little bit unhappy. And so when I had some time to think about those reasons, I, I realized it was because I never fully understood and, and fully asked myself, like, what are the things that make me happy? And so coming into this, I had the luxury to think about, okay, so now that I have experience, what is, what is the company and, that, and the product that I, can, that I can build that serves my happiness more than my experience, understanding that I can go out and acquire the skill sets for whatever I'm doing. So, um, that was kind of the the beginning of it. But since my number one priority has always been freedom, that's why we've, we always worked remote, remote before it was cool. Like 13 years ago, I didn't have an office. Um, I've been nomading for four years. Everybody on our team has the freedom to work remote if they want to. We don't really have work hours as long as the customer comes first. We don't have holidays, right? I try to give my team the same freedom that that I enjoy. So the idea that I can build a product that actually gives people their time back. I mean, that's really magical, right? Because I was living that problem of being bounded by my customer's demo schedule. Like, isn't right. that insane that like you spend 10 years trying to earn this freedom and you finally have the freedom to travel and nomad and work on the road and in, in theory dictate your hours, but actually your entire schedule is bounded by your Zoom schedule. So um, that was actually the thing that was most exciting to me was not the fact that we could build something to make people more efficient and effective and productive. Like, I actually hate that. We don't have any of that on our website. I want to build something that gives people their time back so they could do anything else they enjoy, including doing more of nothing, which I think we all need to spend more time doing. 
I love that. And it's really interesting. The messaging so much in the marketplace is about you know, increasing productivity and efficiency, but that freedom gets lost. I think it's fascinating that you built a, a company around a problem that, that you had and really wanting that freedom. And now your product is designed to give other people that same flexibility and freedom. I think there's this hustle culture, right? I'm sure you see that, you know, a oh, yeah. lot on like whether it's content or posts on LinkedIn, like we should work harder, we should work more. How do we become more effective and productive and do more with with our time? Like, I mean, I just think that like, yes, it's important to build a company and be dedicated. But while you're doing that, I think a lot of founders forget to live. And what I mean by that is, yes. you know, like as you're building your company, life goes on, right? Like people go on dates, they get married, they have children, they buy their first homes, like all of that goes on. But as founders, we always tell ourselves, oh, but once I become X, then I can do all these things. Right. Like once I earn this, then maybe I will go date again. Like this happens actually all the time, especially in like around, around my age, right? So um, I think it's, it's so important that like you build your company and you work hard, but you also make time to have fun because this thing is so hard already that if you don't make time for you, it, it just becomes that much harder. Without a doubt. And I think you're exactly right. And that's an easy trap to fall into of when I X, then I will. And, and we're always chasing that, that next thing and we forget to live. But that, that's what we're here for is, is really living in this, the relationships and it's the experiences, not just building something cool. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the parallel to that is people saying, oh, when I retire, I'm going to travel. Right. 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 Like, why not do it next week or the right. next holiday? Like, why not? Do, you don't have to do it for an extended period of time. Why not do it for seven to 14 days? Right. I think that's like something that a lot of people can, can also relate to. Right. Right. When would now be a good time to yeah. do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So important. And I think it's, it's fantastic that you, you've really realized that, you know, where you are in the stage of life, not, you know, looking back, and I think that happens a lot. People get to later stages of life, you know, 60, 70, 80 years old and look back and go, wow, I wish I had done more of that. I wish I had experienced more. I wish I had spent more in relationships. Nobody ever says, you know, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. <laughs> right? No, maybe, maybe Elon Musk, <laughs> but he's maybe. the only one. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about how eWebinar gets time back for entrepreneurs and founders. Yeah, so um, I think there are two different scenarios, um, like two different use cases that that people come to us for. One is automating lead gen, right? Doing your top of the funnel demos, um, you know, thought leadership for marketing, whatever your lead magnet is, that could be a webinar that you're doing once a quarter, once a year, because no one's actually running the strategy. Um, with eWebinar, you can take your demo, your thought leadership video, Upload it into eWebinar, um, and then you can program in some interactivity, so like polls, questions, quizzes, you know, things like that throughout the experience, and you set it on recurring schedule, and it just runs for you. So it's like set and forget. So if anyone comes to our website, eWebinar.com, they're going to see join a demo right now. It's not fill in this form, <laughs> book a time on my calendar, like the thing right. that actually annoys people. It's if you want to see a demo, I want to give it to you right now. If you're not free right now, you can book time for tomorrow, 
but you don't have to speak to a live person. And actually, there's some comfort, right, in not speaking, not being forced, right, to speak to a live person. Um, to give you an idea of impact, like I looked at my numbers for last year, 2022, 3,000 people joined my demo last year. Wow. And I didn't do a single one of those live. They can still reach out to me through chat, like intercom style chat, where if they send me a message, I can respond in real time or later through email. So I never actually miss a, miss a message. But if I forced everyone to book a time on my calendar, I'm not going to get 3,000 demos a year. Right. I might get like 300 if I was lucky because so many of those people would drop off and then maybe 20% of them won't, won't actually show up. Right. So that's, that's one use case. So we actually, not only do we save companies, sales teams from doing the same demo over and over again for, for leads that may not even be that good, right? Maybe 10% of your leads are actually ready to buy right now. And those are the ones that might book a sales call afterwards. Right. And then the second use case is automating training and onboarding, right? Any SaaS company right now that when you sign a new contract, whether it's a product like growth company with a lower contract value or an enterprise company, as soon as someone signs up, you have to train them (laughs) to adopt your software. Otherwise they're going to bounce. But how do you do that right now? Right. You do that through maybe a bunch of knowledge bases, short form videos, zoom webinars that maybe your CS person is running. But in like, in reality, how many training sessions can one CS person run? Or even 10 people, right? If you right. are serving customers in 10 different time zones, you're always providing your training schedule on your own time zone. So how's that fair to the consumer, right? So what we do is we automate all of that, make it available to anyone, anyone anywhere in the world on any time zone, and deliver a beautiful, engaging experience through the software, um, and give them an opportunity to reach out through live chat. I like that because it really puts them in control. And if the demo is great, they stay. And if they, you know, it's not a fit, then then they're out. But the, you know, it really saves everybody a lot of time. Um, is this something that uh, fakes being real? Well, I mean, because we've seen some of those other tools in the marketplace, or is it something that that they know is actually recorded? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, One of the reasons why I started a webinar was because in my previous company, I tried using everything I can find under the sun because I was so desperate to solve this problem. And so many solutions that I found, like there there aren't a lot out there, right? There's a lot of live webinar solutions that have some automation features, but it's not a dedicated product. There's probably just a handful of, of evergreen webinar solutions that are like dedicated to this cause. But almost all of them were designed to trick the consumer into believing it's live when it's not. And that, like, that always made me feel a little bit sleazy. Yes, so yes. I, I couldn't really use those things, right? It was like, you know, they, they, they had features like a fake chat you could upload to make people feel like people are buying, but they're not there, or like a fake counter that goes up and down that makes you feel like people are joining and leaving. And like, I, I never really understood the psychology of that. Like I understood why the host would want it, but in this day and age, right. like credibility and trust is your currency. It takes like two seconds for someone to know that this is not happening at 3 a.m. So why would right. the consumer trust a company <laughs> that's lying to them in the first place? So when we set out to build a webinar, I actually wanted to build the first integrity first automated webinar solution that does not have any of those features. I love so, that. So like and we actively encourage our customers 
to not tell people the video is live when it's not. Whether they do it, it's it's really up to them. But we don't encourage it and we don't help them by putting in any of the features that help them trick consumers. Because the last thing that I want is someone joining an e-webinar and say, oh, I don't, I don't like this experience because last time I was here, I was right. tricked into buying something. So, I mean, the short answer is we don't encourage it. It's totally up to, up to the company, but people are smart. <laughs> so, yes. um, and a lot of our customers will just say, um, the video is recorded, but I'm managing the chat or our team is managing the chat. I like that. I think that's really important because I've used some of those solutions in that the past as well and stopped specifically for that reason because it just, it, it was not in alignment with, with my values, with our company values at all. And so yeah, I, you know, mean, I think it's really, really refreshing to see you come with an integrity first approach like that. And I think it's, it's interesting that like people are such creatures of habit, right? Like we have the biggest objection that we have are, are companies like trying to make the transition, but also thinking, but isn't live better? But like, why is live better, right? Why do people think live is better? They think, well, I'm in front of you, so it's better. It means that I'm more dedicated to you. It means my attention is here. But saying live is better is almost like I can't watch Netflix because it's worse than network TV. <laughs> right, than, than a play, right? Well, yeah, and, and we've totally <laughs> moved on from that, right? So it's yes. interesting how Netflix has completely changed the way we expect to watch video in our everyday lives, like in our, in our lifestyle, right? Yes. But for some reason, when it comes to B2B, we're like, oh no, you have to fit into my schedule because live is better. Like what if, you know, CBS told you, you can only watch your favorite show next Tuesday at 11. Nobody would watch it. It would never fly. Right. right? So I, I think it's an incredible opportunity for companies who recognize this, who recognize this trend, because what consumers want is not Jeff presenting to me right now, right? What consumers want is content that's valuable to them when they want it. And they want to be able to get your attention to send you a chat message, send you an email when they want it. So everything is consumer driven. And the incredible opportunity that not a lot of companies are taking, taking advantage of right now is better aligning what they deliver, what they put out there with what their customers actually want. I think that's really, really important. And it's, I love the parallel too, that uh, that's the way it used to be on TV is you had to watch it when the broadcast <laughs> was. And yeah. we've moved so far from that. I mean, even now in mean, some of the, 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 uh, the players are releasing weekly, uh, even the streaming yeah. services, they're not releasing you know, full seasons at once and they're releasing weekly. And I'm annoyed with that. Oh my gosh, so me too. Like, like the yeah. Apple Plus, right? <laughs> like, why yes. don't you just give it to me? <laughs> I can't stand it. Just, just drop them all and let me binge them at once and be done. I can't wait <laughs> exactly. a week in between. Are you kidding me? So yeah, we, exactly. we just, we're, we're so far removed from where we were. I mean, you know, 10, you know, certainly 20 years ago uh, before DVRs. And I guess, you know, VCRs were, were around then and assuming that things actually ran on schedule. But uh, we, we've come a long ways. And I think in the, the tech world, recognizing that, that we've come that far there as well. And, and I think that's really smart in giving, giving your, your prospect what they want when they want it. Well, also, like if you think about the number of things that can go wrong when you're doing something live, right? Like <laughs> connection's not good, someone can't join, you're distracted. And then the bigger the audience, yeah, like the bigger the audience, <laughs> the more people you need to manage the chats because otherwise you lose that question. 
There's so right. many people. And if you're Happens the only host, yeah, if you're the only host, you have to make sure you're looking at the camera, but also clicking like discreetly on the chat and Q&A button to make sure, you know, people aren't saying, hey, Jeff, I don't see you anymore. Right? Like, so, right. I mean, yeah. So I think if you do something that's pre-recorded, you have the opportunity to make it way higher quality. Your your script can be tighter. There's nobody interrupting you, asking you questions. There's no connection issues, right? Things like that. So I think if you think about like just the types of content that you have to put out there, there are there's some content, of course, that needs to be live, right? Sure. Like, you know, your New Year's countdown, right? Like something that's really <laughs> timely, right? Like if right. you're an influencer, for example, and you have a massive audience, and people want to see you like almost perform. And that's where that's where it really makes sense. But if yes. you're talking about your top of the funnel gen- generic demo, if you're talking about your feature training, your onboarding, like it doesn't actually have to be live. Like all of that can actually be much higher quality if if you just record it and automate it. And I like that the chat is live. That that is something that is is interactive and, and certainly can be real time as long as somebody's on the other end, because that's ultimately what what they're looking for in a live demo is that kind of interaction. Well, yeah, and I think the the second biggest obstacle that we have to go through um, that we have to get over after the first one of like, oh, isn't live better? Is well, if it's a webinar and there's a chat, then I have to be there twenty four seven. But this is how unimaginative people are, right? Like we chat with people, our friends, our family, our customers asynchronously every second yes. of the day, right? <laughs> when somebody texts my phone, I don't respond to them right away, but they know they're going to get a response from me, right? When sure. someone comes to your website and they type in the little chat bubble, they're not going to be like, where are you? Where are you? Like, I'm so angry that I'm not getting a response right now. Like what they're looking for is the fact that you receive the message, which is usually prompted by an autoresponder. Um, and they want to hear back from you within a right. reasonable amount of time. And they know that they're going to communicate with you through email after, you know, the first five minutes, right, if, if you're not there. So the way that we communicate asynchronously is something that we do everywhere except for webinars before us. So, like, that's, like, but that's the thing. Like, when people think about webinars, they're so stuck on, well, it's live and the chat's live, so I have to be there. I have to staff this thing 24 hours. Oh, I can't do that. But... Like once, and, and that's why we actually use our own product to deliver our own demo. Like it's very, very meta because once you're in it, that's then you're cool. like, oh, okay, like this is, this is how it works. So what lessons have you learned in uh, third startup? What lessons have you learned, you know, in the last two and, and particularly in this one? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question. What lesson I've learned? So this is the first time. My first company was an agency. It didn't start off that way, but it became that because we said yes to everything. Like we wanted it to be a product and then everybody wanted to customize. And then before you knew it, we were a custom apps company. Uh, My second company was a SaaS company, but it was enterprise SaaS. So it was like long sales cycles, big ticket items, one-on-one sales, like sold through conferences, booths, you know, trade shows, you know, things like that. So we never had to do any... SEO, marketing, like, like we didn't have to do anything. I just had to go like find the contract. And this, so this is my first, I would say, true SaaS company in the sense that it's like self-serve, right? It's like a MailChimp type company. You come in with your credit card, you trial, you upgrade, downgrade on your own. Um, if you like it, you stay. If you don't like it, you churn, right? So I would say that what I've learned is a product-led growth company is probably 100 times harder than what I've ever had to do in the past, <laughs> 
<laughs> and people um, wouldn't think that. No, I didn't even think that. You know, I came yeah. in thinking, oh, it's my third one. I definitely know what I'm doing. I've got a contact list. Turns out your contact list actually exhausts pretty quickly. <laughs> so, and, and it turns out like to, to get someone to discover you and sign up, give you their credit card and convert is so, so hard, right? So, um, I think that's the hardest lesson I've learned is a product like growth company is not so much, not just about the product. Of course you have to deliver a great product, but it is probably 80% trying to stay top of mind and getting out there. Like I didn't know coming into this company that 90% of my time would be spent on content and like trying to get ourselves up there, creating more content, like creating partnerships, creating content with them, doing backlinking, like all of this stuff is, is pretty new. Um, so I would think that, I think that's the, definitely the biggest lesson. Um, and for the first time I'm understanding why SaaS companies are actually worth their multiple. <laughs> hundred percent they are. Yeah, that's really interesting, just the, the dynamic and the difference between those two. I mean, a lot of people think, well, if, you know, if I build it, just put it up a website, product-led growth, yeah. they will come, right? No, yeah. they will yawn. Yeah, I mean, like I would say we, we definitely have the best product out there for, for in our category. And you'd think that like, oh, people just talk about us, right? People review us on Katera, on G2, they talk about us to their friends, and then everyone's going to come, right? Yeah, that does not happen. <laughs> like, there's just so much noise that's out there. So um, I guess the second thing that I've, I've learned and I've observed is that the most successful companies, like it doesn't matter how big they are, like they could be a one-person company. They are successful nowadays because they have a community, like a built-in audience. And if you have a community around your cause, around the problem that you're trying to solve, um, around your expertise, then um, you can build a company or, or anything on top of that, and it would be hard for you, for you to fail. That's really, really smart. And have you done that with eWebinar? Is that, the, is that been your part of your marketing strategy, is building the community? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the other thing that I observed, uh, which, you know, I think is, I, I think is a new thing. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is people nowadays care a lot more about the creator, like the people behind the product, than the product itself, right? It's almost like, I don't want to buy the Louis Vuitton bag, right? Like, I don't, I don't care about the product. I want to find a mission-driven company, and I want to know the founders behind it, and I want to understand why they started the company and the problem they're trying to solve. Yes. And I want to know what they stand for and if I align with their values. So I'm seeing, at least, like a lot of CEOs, a lot of creators building brands and audiences around themselves. And through that, people learn about their company. So it's more people first and not product first. So part of our marketing strategy or my marketing strategy from early last year was to discover how to do that. Um, one of the things that I did that like I invested in was Justin Welsh's um, LinkedIn operating system co course. So sure. it's, it's just a breakdown of how do you write engaging content on LinkedIn based on your expertise. And while I don't know like the exact quantifiable ROI of that because so many things are hard to measure. I just know that 
since I've started posting on LinkedIn weekly, like I do it once a day, every weekday, our demos have gone up consistently every single month. Can we attribute it to that or all the other things? Um, I think it's like in a startup, I think if you do 10 things, they all work a little bit. Right? So I think we, you're right. Yeah. So then we just keep doing things, even if we can't justify it monetarily. We just, these are just things that we have to do. But I would say like building a personal brand is more important to me now than like rallying people around a product, which it's really hard for people to relate to a product, right? I think that's true. And we see that across the board. I mean, even, you know, coffee, something I'm kind of fanatical about is, you know, is it really that different? And some people would argue, yes, the beans are way different from one to another, but most of it's marketing or it would say water. I mean, now we have yeah. a billion dollar water brand. I mean, is water that different from one thing to another? No, it's all, it's all marketing and it's about the, the cause behind the company. And, you know, what does a company stand for and people aligning with those values? And I think we've seen that really across the board, uh, tech included, that people really identify and see themselves in the story and say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, and I think it lends more credibility, right? So I talk a lot about things like bootstrapping. Um, like, so when I talk about posting on LinkedIn once a day, like I talk a lot about bootstrapping, the, you know, my past experiences that got me there, why I care so much about freedom, the things that I do with my time, you know, how I build a bootstrap company with so little resources. And I'm just kind of spitballing, right? So like about like things that I've experienced in the past, like some hardships, some failures, some successes, what I'm doing nowadays. So every day I have like a little snippet that I just kind of put out there, um, but it also, like, I think one of the byproducts of doing that, building a personal brand, is it forces you to think about the things that you've normalized over the years, right? Because, like, I built three companies. All I do is, like, like what I, what I do every day is a task. Like, I don't think about it as, like, oh, this, like, thing I'm really good at. But because I've been doing it for, for 10 years, all of that stuff has been normalized. So the interesting thing is once you put something out there that you think is normal, there are people that are like, oh, I never thought about that before. So there's a bit of like this like kind of dopamine that you get from coming, like from just helping somebody that, yes. you know, with, with something that you learned that you thought like wasn't a big deal. So I think one of the byproducts of like forcing yourself to create a personal brand and writing content is like you almost become sharper because your brain, like your brain keeps digging for, for knowledge that you have that just might be in there that maybe one day you can use again. I think that's really smart. And so you're probably learning some of those things in the, the process as well, or remembering as we, we know so many things or maybe have forgotten, but then when we're digging in there, it's like, oh, that, that is something. And, and maybe it comes back up and you're able to use that later. Yeah, absolutely. So if you could go back you know, at the, the beginning, say two startups ago and tell yourself something, what would that one thing be? <laughs> uh, put all your money in Bitcoin and don't start any company. <laughs> like, like half joking, but not really. Um, I would sell before 2022, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I would say, I would say like start a company. Like don't be afraid to start a company um, based on something that makes you happy, even if you have no experience doing it. And that's, I think the, the biggest mark that I missed. Um, as I mentioned earlier, like I started something because I thought that's what I had to do. 
Um, but if I really thought about my personality and the things that make me happy, like such as having freedom, wanting to travel, nomading, not wanting to talk to customers all the time, <laughs> I think I would, I think I would come up with a fairly different, fairly different business. And I would tell myself, it's going to take you three times longer than you imagined. Like everything. Right. I still, it's, you know, it still blows my mind now how long things take. <laughs> I've, do, I've been doing and it for do. so long. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh yeah, we can just do this thing and we can see the results like, you know, next month. Yeah. It never happens that way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Now that, that's not what the book said. It set out, you know, results in, <laughs> in you know, 10 days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, those those are the stories that I think we hear a lot out there. You know, somebody is an overnight success, but it's it's you know a lot of times it's after twenty years of pushing a rock uphill by themselves. Wow, overnight success! <laughs> yeah, you know, twenty it happens years so of fast. Right, right. So it's but that really is the entrepreneurial journey is uh, is you know working toward that, and it it does take time, but it's certainly worth it in the end. I think it's gold. Uh, you know what you said about you know, really building something that is aligned and, and that fits what you want to do is I've been in that trap of, of building something just because I was good at it and it was there, it was an opportunity and, but it just, you know, I've done things like that, that it just weren't a great fit. It wasn't my passion. I was good at it. And so I think, yeah, I wish I'd learned that lesson. I wish I'd talked to you. <laughs> what, what happened to that company? <laughs> well, it, it was a success and it was sold, but it just oh, okay. wasn't something that was super fulfilling in that the process. Yeah. It was, we, we made money. But it wasn't something that I, you know can look back and go, wow, that was that was fantastic. That was life changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess like it reminds me of something. So my previous company, we built software like it was an open house software, right? It's like so you can imagine um, people walking into an open house, they sign in on a piece of paper. We were like the iPad check-in tool um, for okay. open houses. So we sold to brokerages and franchises, but our users were real estate agents. And then oh, the okay. you know consumers of that was like home buyers and, and sellers going to open houses. And I remember thinking, like, like building software and selling to real estate agents has got to be one of the hardest things on earth. In fact, it is so hard that I felt uh, that I felt like after I sold Spacio, my calling was to actively convince people away from starting a real estate tech company. Because <laughs> these guys are not used to buying software. Like they will spend $400 on a bottle of wine, like for their client, but they will not spend 20 bucks on a piece of software. And that's where the hardship is. And every single day, like you get, like, of course it was such a small company that like I also have to do support. Um, or like, I'm just always on it. So even now I'm always on it. So I'm always the quickest to jump on something, but you just get people yelling at you. Like every single day, like why doesn't this work? Blah blah. And they're like, they're not even paying you, right? Their 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 companies are. They're just using right. it. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm working so hard to build an incredible product that it doesn't feel like anyone really appreciates. Like I think it's a function of the audience as well. They're just not really users of software, and so they require a lot of handholding. I remember thinking, like, why am I spending my life? building software to make agents' lives marginally better. And they don't even like it. Right? <laughs> and and that's was like realizing that was when I just got more and more tired of, of where I was. Um, and that's why eventually we, we sold the company. But that was kind of the first realization of, of thinking like, I, this can't be my life. 
Like, I'm not proud of this. I don't enjoy doing this. And people aren't even thanking me for it. All right. And now with eWebinar, like, and even though it's hard, um, you know, we, we always get people come in saying, oh, I'm taking my first, first vacation because of you. Or, oh, I'm so That's glad awesome. that I found this. Like, I'm so sick of doing these demos in like eight different time zones. So that, like this, this it, it's way more fulfilling to me than anything I've done before, even though what we're building now is the hardest thing I've ever built. That's really, really great. Yeah, fulfilling and hard. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting combination, but that's, that's a, it, it's where I think it's a lot of fun is, is you know, doing those hard things because, yeah, there's a mission behind it. There is, there's a bigger purpose behind what you're building, not just building software because you, you can't. Well, I mean, I think the biggest purpose behind it is I just want to be financially free. Yeah. Like, who are we, who are we kidding? Right? Like, I think, like, I don't think if you want to be rich, like fast, you should start a tech company. Like, you should definitely not start a tech company. You're better off starting a restaurant, right? Because, or, or selling any other product. Like, you can get money right. in exchange for a product right away, right? Like, but, you know, building tech companies is what I know. Um, it's it's what I think I can do best. Um, and like, yes, I'm building something that I believe and it's something that's really fulfilling because I'm hearing, you know, really positive reviews from our customers. But the biggest reason I'm doing this is so that I can have a good life. And I think it's important to to also mention that as well. I like that. And you mentioned a couple of times being a, a digital nomad, traveling. Uh, where are some of your favorite places? Well, I left New York four years ago to travel full-time, and we discovered Amsterdam. Um, and we actually, like, in 2019, I sold my company, and at the same time, I was able to buy a place in Amsterdam. So we have a home base there. Um, we spend like four months of the year there, not like the good months. <laughs> so the yeah, I was going to say the warm gray. months, right? <laughs> yeah, the warm months. <laughs> um, so I definitely think Amsterdam is one of the greatest cities in the world, just all things considered, like super convenient, like everyone's very, like really happy, um, easy to get to by, you know, train and, and plane. And we have a big community there that, that we love. Um, but as for, you know, where we spend winters, um, definitely Hong Kong, Thailand, and Bali are our favorites, um, but I don't think I've traveled enough to to say like what might be the best. But these are these are the places that we spend most time in. It's, you get some great places. I'm scuba diver, so you know Bali, Thailand. I mean, beautiful, beautiful places. Great beaches, great diving. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good place to spend the winter for sure. A little warmer <laughs> yeah. than Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> Well, where can people find out more about you and about eWebinar online? Yeah, the best place to get hold of me is through LinkedIn. So my last name is spelled Kwan, K-W-A-N, first name Melissa. And if you're curious about how eWebinar can help you or your business, just go to eWebinar.com. It's spelled exactly as it sounds. And we'll make sure and link both of those in the show notes and certainly highlight your LinkedIn post because I really enjoy seeing them. So everybody else should be engaging in those and, and reading and, and liking and sharing. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for being on SAS Fuel. Thanks again, Melissa, for coming on the show and sharing your journey and insights. You know, in keeping with the summer theme and time off, Melissa is one of the best examples of a founder who's built an incredible business without sacrificing her personal life on the altar of MRR. You know, success and life are not mutually exclusive propositions. 
Their SaaS is really high quality as well. I mean, it's way better than some of the others in the space. And, you know, I really appreciate the most that they don't try to fake it. You know, it's like next live webinar starts in eight minutes and it's you know, 2 a.m. Uh, you know, marketing with integrity is, is really important to me and they do that really, really well. Uh, as always, all links, highlights, resources, full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. If you're getting value, please subscribe or follow us there as well and check out our YouTube channel. And we just launched that a few weeks ago and everyone who subscribes this week gets a keyboard-shaped waffle iron, making breakfast an ode to your passion for technology. Join us Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series for Sam Baker, Principal at Scale Venture Partners. Sam focuses on opportunities in both business and infrastructure software. He'll give us a state of the market and unique perspective from a capital partner and what things look like today. So he believes cognitive apps of the future. We'll get into that as well. And then next Tuesday, our SaaS founder is Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. He is CEO both at E7 Health and U.S. Drug Test Centers. They have been called the Uber of preventive medicine, and SaaS and tech are leading the way. So it's really, really cool things that they're doing over there for healthcare. I'll see you next time. And until then, welcome to summer. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SaaS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.